Though spring has sprung, many of us find ourselves on the other side of winter's edge, frozen emotionally, wrestling with the impact of a world pandemic. Before you jump into all the things you should be doing and feeling, stop and notice, melt, soften, practice. Welcome to Viral Mindfulness, the podcast. I'm your host, Alexander. This is a seasonal limited series called Winter's Edge. Stay connected with me over at my website at viralmindfulness.com. Soul Sibling, here we are, the final episode of Winter's Edge. Lucky 13. 13 installments, Winter's Edge. How you doing? Weather check. So I heard something this week that gave me permission to not be okay for a few days or a week, and then to be okay, and then to not be okay, and then to be okay. So remember, you might freeze again, you might wake up and the ground is frozen, and you're frozen and in the cold for a few days, but you're gonna thaw, you're gonna melt, and especially you're gonna try and soften, and mostly you're gonna stop and notice look around, see, and be present. One of the other things I've been doing that's been really helpful is really slowing down and moving at a very natural rhythm from point A to point B to C, like from the kitchen to the living room. All of a sudden, I'll catch myself holding my breath and thinking, oh, I've got to run in there and do this. And I'm like, no, I'm just going to walk here. I'm going to sit here and stay right here and then I'm going to take a sip of this and I'm going to finish this 10 minutes of reading time before I go over there and check that email and just really slow down, drop into your body, drop into the ground. It's spring and it's going to be cold and wet and snowy and eventually in a few months we're going to be at summer's heat And I'm willing to bet that things will feel a little different. But for now, try and practice being really organic about your movement from task to pleasure, to work, to chop wood, carry water. So this is the final episode in practice, which is writing practice. Oh, yeah, I love my little writing practice world. So one of the phrases that got me going was in my graduate degree for social work, I at a conference, I heard a woman speak. And she was she had written her memoir. And she was also a clinical psychologist, she wrote a memoir about bipolar. And at the time, I was also reading it because I was dating and in love with a boy, a man, a man boy. And he had bipolar diagnoses. And so it was helpful. And what I heard her say at this workshop was, learn from it, write from it, teach from it. And at that point, I was already deep in a couple years, I just started really experimenting with drugs and had gone like into the deep end of the pool, right from the get go, and was trying to cope with everything especially an HIV diagnosis that felt like scarlet letters that were solidifying the shame and the stigma 
that I internalized from, this is a quote from John O'Donohue, from theological abuse and spiritual rape. And that's the end of the quote, theological abuse and spiritual rape. It took me many years, over a decade, about 12 years, actually. So from my diagnosis in 2003 until, no, more than that, just lately in the last several years, it wasn't until maybe 2019 when I really started to realize, oh, that's what this is called. That's what this is. This is what I've been running. This is what I didn't know how to describe. This is what I was drinking, drugging, sexing. Oh, did you hear that loud noise? That's my washing machine. <laughs> I'm so glad you get to hear it. It's, you know, off, you know, balance and it does that storm spin cycle. <laughs> and it's uh, very funny. I'll go sit on it sometimes. It's a great teaching lesson. Um, the weight of my body will help balance and stabilize it sometimes. So I don't know where I was. So wherever that thought was, it was a good one. Enjoy it. But where I am now is learn from it, teach, write from it, teach from it. And so that's what I'm attempting to do. So I want to share with you the first book I got in college from my aunt Tammy, who is a writer and wrote uh as a journalist, she worked, um, she did a lot of things. I'm not going to give you her history right here, right now. She's my dad's younger sister, Cardell Smith, my father. And she was always very loving and supportive in her Mormon world and made space for me as best as she could. And we had a lot of fun. And so when I was, I think maybe when I graduated from college at BYU, uh, so mid-20s, she gave me Writing Down the Bones, Freeing the Writer Within by Natalie Goldberg. And in the front of this used copy, and she's from Portland area, she goes to Powell's Bookstore. I'm sure she picked this up there, which I love, Powell's. And it says, To David, oh yeah, my first name, To David. Ew, David. To David from Tammy, Find Your Passion, Enter the Flow. And it wasn't until, you know, grad school, my 29, 30, 31, when I realized and found that Natalie Goldberg had some other books. And so I started reading them. And then it wasn't too soon after that, that she talked in one of her books about her girlfriend. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't know she was queer. And I've never heard her say, I've never heard her identify I'm gay. I've only heard her say, I have this girlfriend or a partner so I continue to read her books. I continue to practice. I love writing down the bones. In fact, it's right here. So I'm going to read you. Let's let's see what the very first it says. For all my students, this is the introduction to the book. For all my students, past, present, and future. And I'm actually one of her students now. And for Kate Green and Barbara Schmitz, may we all meet in Heaven Cafe writing for eternity. Fun. Okay, so let's see what the foreword says. Here's the foreword. Okay, so part of being a writer is listening. So this is what I'm learning. And when we practice writing, like when we do timed writing, and we just do loose writing, and the way I've learned from Natalie Goldberg, is to keep your hand moving. Okay, this is the practice. Set the timer for 10 minutes. Keep your hand moving and just write. And don't stop. And you can use a prompt. Um, and you write in a notebook and 
You don't read it for a couple weeks or a month. You let the blood dry, as she likes to say. And write about things that have fire and energy and heat and are vibrant and dangerous and scary to say. And there's a lot of places where you can get prompts, writing prompts, you know, like books or online. You could look Google and say writing prompts. A really fun one and simple is I remember and then you just go or I don't remember or what I'm trying to say or what I don't want to say, what I don't know how to say. And you just write, keep your hands moving. You, this is a pro tip that I just experienced. And one of my students in my midwinter's Y circle totally resonated with actually two of them. I would catch myself writing so fast in my timed writing. So let's say I'm doing a 10 minute writing and the topic is your last goodbye or the last time you made love. And then I would be writing so fast and one time in writing retreat, I was like, why not slow down? Like, what am I running? Why am I running so fast writing? And it's a really interesting thing to tend or turn towards when you're in writing practice or journaling is like, why are you moving so fast? And I think we move to produce and just this rapid modern world at high speed velocity. I've been slowing down and taking my time and enjoying pen to paper or pencil to paper. And part of what you're doing in your writing is you're observing your own mind and you keep moving because you're not there to edit or to put together a piece. You're just there to prime the prompt, to learn about mind. And then at some point later, you'll go back and you'll read and you'll pick out the things that resonate. And you might only have a few sentences or you might see a theme. Natalie Goldberg said she wrote for a couple years before she wrote Writing Down the Bones. It took her a couple years just to get everything out before she could really find something to say. So maybe that's the path for you. And that could be practice-wise as structured as what if you wrote for 10 minutes a day for 30 days? You filled a notebook. What I did recently is I decided, okay, I want to write about, I want to write a book about these Tibetan mind training slogans. So I just grabbed those notebooks and I did this for several months and I have at least two full notebooks, maybe two and a half, going through the Tibetan mind training slogans, studying one for a few days and I would just write about it for like a week and I would just do writing practice on it. I would just pick up, there was no structure, I wasn't trying to make it into something and so I have them to look at and there's some really great stuff there so you could do 30 days just write in a notebook and then after those 30 days you could stop take a moment take a weekend take a Friday night read what you wrote throw it all away burn it don't judge yourself be nice and keep moving Natalie Goldberg has said to me a couple times to all of us, not just to me, it's not like she's talking to me, I'm in online retreats with lots of people with her. She fantasized and always thought that she wanted to just teach this practice that was deeply connected to meditation, then to writing and then to walking and you would just sit for 10 minutes, you'd write for 10 minutes, you'd walk for 10 minutes and just keep doing that for a period of I don't know, let's say one day if you want to have a mini at-home retreat, or that's how she kind of structured her in-person retreats for so many years. 
She never taught online until the pandemic in 2020. And she's very, very not digitally forward. And it's very funny to see how she responds to Zoom. She is doing it with um, part of Shambhala and they have assistants who help her. And she has a assistant that she's been teaching with for many years. Dorotea is her name. They're fantastic. You can find them online. You have to do one of her initial retreats, and then she has retreats twice a year just for students who have already studied in her main retreat. Uh, And I think they're all now through Shambhala. I'll post a link in the show notes. Back to your practice. So just choose something small and do it. Now, if you're working on a memoir, great. Work on your memoir for 30 days, Monday through Friday, an hour a day for f- four weeks. See that how that feels. Um, if you're writing unstructured, let's see, unpunctuated poetry. That's what I do a lot. I'm going to read you a couple of those because my friend Jude <laughs> sent me an audio this morning. In preparation for this, I was reading through a couple of my most important. I have identified a very most important place for me to write this is a place where I go with some of my deepest feelings or thoughts or spiritual ideas or insights. I make notes for podcasts there. I make quick lists for Viral Mindfulness and Viral Mindfulness Academy. I write poetry there. I'll do timed writing sometimes. I will talk about the difficult things in these notebooks. And it's in, it's in uh, I have a certain leather bound carrier that carries these small unlined notebooks. And I just filled the second one. So I just opened up a new one this weekend and I was reading through these previous two and oh my gosh, there's some good stuff. So I'm going to read you a couple of these poems, unpunctuated. Jude and I came up with this together at one point several years ago. Like what if I just write poetry in the name of poetry in the vein, no punctuation, no sentences, just get it out. And it opened up this voice in me that we both really like. So I'm going to read you two, one on Vanessa and one on Charles, who are two of my dear friends who passed last spring and the spring prior. I figured this is a perfect time to send them love as they are in the invisible world. Okay, so actually, I'm not going to read you the foreword. I'm going to read you the one of the first sections in Writing Down the Bones called Beginner's Mind, Pen and Paper. When I teach a beginning class, it is good. I have to come back to beginner's mind, the first way I thought and felt about writing. In a sense, that beginner's mind is what we must come back to every time we sit down and write. There is no security, no assurance that because we wrote something good two months ago, we will do it again. Actually, every time we begin, we wonder how we ever did it before. Each time is a new journey with no maps. So when I teach a writing group, I have to tell the story all over again. And remember that the students are hearing it for the first time. I must begin at the very beginning. First, consider the pen you write with. It should be a fast writing pen because your thoughts are always much faster than your hand. You don't want to slow up your hand even more with a slow pen. A ballpoint, a pencil, a felt tip for sure are slow. Go to a stationery store and see what feels good to you. Try out different kinds. Don't get too fancy and expensive. I mostly use a cheap Schaefer fountain pen about $1.95. <laughs> 
Okay, so remember, this is 1986. Okay, so then she moves to the notebook. Think, too, about your notebook. It is important. This is your equipment, like hammer and nails to a carpenter. Feel fortunate. For very little money, you are in business. Sometimes people buy expensive hardcover journals. They are bulky and heavy. And because they are fancy, you are compelled to write something good. Instead, you should feel that you have permission to write the worst junk in the world, and it would be okay. Give yourself a lot of space in which to explore writing. A cheap spiral notebook lets you feel that you can fill it quickly and afford another. Also, it's easier to carry. So she uses those composition ones. That's what I buy now. The ones you buy at like any grocery store for like $1.95 or $2.25. Um, let's see. Okay, that's it. That's all I'm going to read to you from that one. So then in the secret of the true secret of writing by Natalie Goldberg. So this is one of her um, newer books. So this is 2013, I guess, 10 years ago. And in her writing retreats, people always ask her like, well, okay, so I've been doing this sort of writing prompt and just writing practice for a long time. But like, what do I do with how do I write a book? She's like, I don't know. <laughs> She's like, we I'm talking about writing practice because writing practice is what fuels whatever you're going to structure. And she's so passionate about meditation, writing, walking, reading, listening, reading literature, reading aloud, not giving comments or critique. It's really interesting. I love it. That's why I teach from it. So here she is in The True Secret of Writing in 2013, and she's writing about the same sort of concept, but a little bit more expanded, I guess. So she's all, let's see, we were taught in meditation to continually cut through our wandering obsessive thoughts and come back to the breath. I understood the importance of this, how we learn to let go, not cling, not hold on. But I also noticed I had a fascination with those thoughts and they weren't just delusion, unreal, rambling, and they didn't let go so easily. I didn't want to reject them. I was entertained by them. I was curious, surprised. So this is what I think, only the breath as an object of meditation for skinny practice. I was ready for the fat, the grease, the unruly. What if I actually followed my thoughts, went out into the tangle, saw where they led, used writing as another way to eventually let go? Writing practice is a perfect complement to med meditation practice. The fat and the thin, the precise and the clear with the wild and woolly. When you think about it, how can anything be excluded? Here's what you do. So number one, you keep your hand moving. If you say you will write for 10 minutes, 20, an hour, keep your hand going. Not frantically clutching the pen, but don't stop. This is your chance to break through to wild man, wild mind, to the way you really think, see, and feel, rather than how you think you should think, see, and feel. This does not mean you have to write orgasmic sex scenes smeared with butter to touch wild mind. You might end up writing about toast, your sore throat, your fingernail, but it will be alive, real. Yes, even you who have never left home, never stepped out of your gray suit, even you have wild mind. That vibrant force below your discursive thinking, that true connection, it is natural to human life. Get to work and contact it.
Natalie thinks that all high school elementary kids from elementary on actually that they should every day do a timed writing prompt and that should be part of K through 12 education. I think it's totally brilliant. Uh, so number two from this newer, newer book in 2013, feel free to write the worst junk in America. You have to turn your mind a lot for the gems to pop out. And so I think that's why you just keep filling these notebooks and eventually you'll find gems. I found some gems. I'm going to read you some gems. Number three, she says, be specific, not car, but catalog, Cadillac. Not horse, but palomino. Not fruit, but tangerine. So be specific with detail. And then number four, she says, lose control. Say what you want to say, not what you think you should say. And she finishes with this. This is enough to get you chugging across the land of your mind. How you root something is to continue doing it. In the process, you have a relationship with your own mind and in accepting your thoughts, whatever they are, you actually learn to let go of them. This is practice. Someone asks, quote, but when does it stop being practice and become the real thing? The championship match, question mark, end quote. You know the answer. Practice is not for something else. Practice is the practice of being here with your life and pen now. Go across the page or your computer screen. What are you thinking of? Put your life on the line. And of course, I think you can then organize, you know, okay, this season I'm going to work on essays, a collection of essays. This season I'm going to work on some unpunctuated poems. So that's kind of what I did, started doing maybe in 2018. So this is one that I wrote after I visited my friend Charles Lynn Frost in January of 1820, January 18th of 2020. <clears throat> and he passed from cancer in oh, May of 2021. Okay, so... not make it to May. How many not make it to May's do I have? He was saying I'm not going to make it to May and he did die in the first part of May. So it became this play on words. Okay, here we go. She never not brings jello salad to gatherings and never not carrying a plastic 6402 tumbler with matching red straw and lid fully loaded with Mountain Dew. Dots are her signature candy and second choice Donnie's number one. Everything for Donnie, her gay son, is the mission and meaning, bubbling daily as she seeks to please her heavenly father. Loving her gay son is the magic of her recent rise to semi-stardom. Stripped bare, chained and gagged, rapid intruders in fully animated three-dimensional matrix, rainbowed leather gear, they pin her to the cold desert floor of Salt Lake's residual lake bed. Miniature Schmurfs blossom from the cracks 
in the dried chocolate sheath cake of American Fork's most decadent and delicious ward. Three camels, like sisters of the night, home teaching, watch from the north wall, remove her wigs, one, two, three wigs stitched together, makeup almost removed with dark eyes still bleeding, girdle garments and giggles, extricated, naked, her breastless hairy chest exposed, and a trimmed cock and balls crowned with a purple cock ring. The heat from the spotlight washes any humor and joy slipping like a setting sun into a twisted dark theater. Nurses, doctors, specialists, family prophets and choir members from the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Yeah, really interesting. Uh, so Charles and Frost had a drag character that was a advocate for LGBTQ in Utah for a lot of years and he wrote a couple plays and performed them Sister Dottie S. Dixon and his drag character was inspired in part by his mother and I think it's American Fork not Spanish Fork mm, I don't remember right now actually and he would dress up and be this Mormon woman who had like totally the accent and the lingo and she had a gay son, son named Donnie, and she was Sister Dottie S. Dixon. And she won awards. They won awards. Charles was amazing. Quite beautiful human. I carry him with me in so many parts of my life. So this was an interesting one from... Sometimes... Morning dances along highways with our sullen expression, dismantling cobwebs of silver linen. Spun curiosity thickens, freezes time, manipulates preferences and encouraging gentle, gentle mantras. Fuck I am, especially when I am dying from cancer. Fuck patriarchy as I pledge allegiance to the drag. Strip down to bare flesh, barefoot like a neurologist, walking across the desert floor with Joshua trees, waving their elegant tentacles, polka-dotted yellow blossoms of spring, sun-kissed, sturdy leather, stretched 13 miles, she kneels down, where bone bruised, frail, pleading for a glass of earth, layers of dirt, sand, Tiny fragments of Legos. What if I snap these separate pieces into a tiny spaceship? I would climb inside and rocket myself to a planet worthy of my music. Ooh, it's so vulnerable to read these aloud. I think, oh my gosh, these are so not good. So I'm going to read you one last one that is really interesting that I wrote in regards to my friend Vanessa who passed from cancer last April, almost a year ago, April 13th, 2022. Okay, here we are. Grief is love looking for a home. Pencils are people looking for the point. Tuesdays are understatements of belief. Hope matters to those addicted to toxic positivity. You need to focus on what you are grateful for. Make a gratitude list. When do you reach for the gratitude list or bring tulips to your truth? The truth is my soul sister 
an intellectual twin has sarcoma and has been given six months to live. Why is it so unreal to process this truth? Certainly there's a chance and a probability. When do you stop listening to the friends and the opinions that you need to think the better thoughts, focus on your manifestation of a cure? I remember when I received a letter from my stepmom criticizing my tanking immune system, the progression of my autoimmune deficiency syndrome, what you know is AIDS. Are you doing your medication? What are your thoughts? What is happening with your positivity? Imagine every person you know packed into an airplane. Vanessa told me, I'm watching it plunge towards the ocean and in this truth, me, Facing my current prognosis, I'm watching all of my people nosedive, everyone I know, to their deaths and annihilation. So you tell me, bring tulips in exchange for my truth? I tell you, until you're looking at your death like looking into the barrel of a loaded gun, fuck your tulips. What? Tulips for your truth. I don't want your truth. <laughs> Fuck the tulips. Okay, friends. Those are a couple of writings from my special places. They are unpunctuated poetry. I think they're super fun. Um, okay, I wanted to read you one more quote from Natalie Goldberg about meditation because she talks so vividly about the, the comparison. So listen to what she says here. It seems sometimes I can sit every day and have no opening at all in my meditation. And I think we could actually apply that to writing practice too. And she goes on to say, but I am so much richer for having sat. The world opened to me anyway, just not the way I thought. It did not fulfill my idea, but maybe it fulfilled my life. Think of that. Pretty exquisite. So my friends, as we wrap this up, this uh, winter's edge, and as we've talked about practice, it seems sometimes, I'm taking Natalie's words, you can sit every day and have no opening at all in your drawing, your sketching, your painting, music practice, movement and body, your relationship to food practice, your building a new living room practice, but you are much richer for having done those things or for talking about meditation, having sat. The world opened up to you anyway, just not the way you thought. It did not fulfill your idea, but maybe it fulfilled your life. Think of that. Pretty exquisite. I feel passionate about practice. Practice keeps me alive and practice gives me space to flower, to express and to be here in this experience with all of it. So I have loved this winter's edge and this is really exciting. Did you know that this episode you're listening to right now is my 99th episode? Yes! Do you know what that means? Next episode coming to you this week is my 100th episode. And I've got something special planned. So 
Thanks for joining me for this wonderful seasonal limited series, Winter's Edge. I have a feeling lots of seasonal series will be coming your way. And if you haven't already, I would love it if you rate, reviewed, and subscribed to my podcast. And, you know, if you don't, that's fine. But it certainly helps me make an impact and get discovered and uh, helps my podcast grow. So I will see you next time here on the podcast and all my love to your next mindful steps. I'd like to invite you to make Sid happen. I have a guided meditation starter kit. And for just a very affordable price, you can join this online classroom and think of it as your digital campground, a sacred space to set down your worries and plug into presence and practice. This guided meditation starter kit is a perfect meditation resource for the beginner and it's relevant for practitioners who are willing to begin again with a fresh perspective. For $49, you can get access, instant access right now to a gorgeous intro video with a love letter of mindfulness with suggestions for practice. There are two brand new video teachings just updated this month Over 16 guided meditations, anywhere from 5 to 24 minutes. Seven of my very unique five-minute creek, river, or waterfall meditations, hand-curated by my very own out-in-nature audio recordings. And with your purchase, you will get 20% off of an original watercolor when you're ready to purchase one. And it always is growing. This guided meditation starter kit for one price of $49, it never stops giving. New meditations are added seasonally as well as video teachings. I would love for you to join me. You can head over to viralmindfulness.com forward slash meditate for all the details and the button, the button that will take you right to the checkout to get you started. See you soon, soul sibling.